You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, welcome to our last episode of this particular series. We're talking about converting primary resources. We've begun with the idea that there is a conversion process. The language of God's financial system all has to do with conversion. Uh, A primary resource is a resource that comes first. Electricity is not a primary energy source. It comes from another primary energy source like solar power or water power or nuclear power, but it certainly doesn't come first. It is a byproduct of some other form of energy. That's how electricity flows. Money's the same way. It has to come by converting another energy source or, or financial source. All right, we talked about labor. In all labor, there is profit, Proverbs 14.23. That's uh, the first thing that we convert to money. If you need money, you might want to think about going to work, getting a job, or improving your skills. When you do that, when you work hard and begin to think about improving your skill, you always come to this idea. There has to be a better way to do this. That's when wisdom begins to partner with your hard work. The two of those working together create a thing called diligence, and that is a very powerful combination. Finally, there is product. Product is something you can create and sell even when you're asleep. You don't have to be working to sell your product. Product can bring income to you. And it is something we produce to bring a blessing to people. And then lastly, there is capital. Capital is money that you don't need for immediate use, and you use it as an investment to make more money. Now, all the different things that we do to make money come in those four channels. There is nothing else. There is labor, wisdom, product, or capital. All money comes through one of those four flows. So now that we've taken some of the mystery away, as to why money flows and what causes it to flow. Now you should eliminate many of those false thoughts about money coming. So many people are always looking for someone else to bring them money. I always cringe when I hear preachers say, somebody I didn't even know gave me $50,000 and right when I needed it. And uh, I, I hate to hear that because when I hear those things, Inevitably, what we're trying to do is magnify the miraculous nature of that, but there is a relationship there. And if we were careful about it, we would explain that this man or woman who gave us this $50,000 was someone who'd been very much blessed by our ministries, wanted to help, gave us that check. It was not out of the blue. Let me just say it like this. People don't get up in the morning thinking about ways to give you their money. If they do give you their money, it is because of labor or wisdom or product or capital. That's why money flows. All right. Now, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. That's key. 
and immediately he went on a journey. According to this parable, when God entrusts money to his children, it is in proportion to their ability to manage that money. The idea is then that God never gives more money to a person than what they can handle. Now you and I both know that people do wind up with more money than they can handle. At that, we say that it was not the Lord who blessed them with that money. It may very well have been the enemy because he uses money to hold people in bondage. And I would say this, Satan is looking for reservoirs, people that he can put money in the hands of who are certain not to give any of it to the kingdom of God. He loves to find people like that. And that's why Jesus said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's because these people trust in their money. In the beginning, they wanted to have a million dollars. They got it, but it wasn't enough. Then they set their sights on two million. They got it, but it wasn't enough. Then a hundred million, but it wasn't enough. And they continue to grab because when you're not putting God first, no amount of money is enough to make you feel secure. Now, there are multitudes of people who have no money, no money at all. I had relatives who were like this, yet they were controlled by money or the thought of money. I went to visit some kinfolks one time and... Uh, the subject came up. I didn't bring it up. But my guest uh, asked me about one of our common relatives who had some land, and they had oil and gas wells on this land. And the woman who was hosting me, if she said it once, she said it 15, 20 times. I sure wish I had me some of those gas wells. I sure wish I had me some of those gas wells. Now, she didn't have anything. In fact, she and her husband lived in a junkyard, and yet she was obsessed with money. That's all she could talk about. She had nothing, yet it's all she could think of. Every time she spoke about this mutual relative that we had, she said, I sure wish we had some of that money. I sure wish I had some of those gas wells, over and again. So I could see firsthand that you could be busted broke and have little or nothing and yet be obsessed with money. And it happens with people all the time. And so it's important that we have money without being controlled by it. And it is possible to have money without being controlled by it. The New Testament and the Old Testament agree, and they command us not to chase money. Now let me read this to you. Just because we're not to chase money doesn't mean that we can't be blessed financially. We are not to put money first, and money is not to be our pursuit. Here we go, 1 Timothy 6, 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, it's important that we are contented financially. When you are content, you have lots of rejoicing. You are thanking God for what you have. You're grateful for what you have. You appreciate what you have. The Bible says the substance of a diligent man 
is precious, meaning that you love what God's blessed you with and you take care of it. You polish it, you, 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 you do, you treasure it. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content, meaning that we're content when our basic needs are met. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now see, true prosperity is not a certain amount of money. Joseph was called prosperous in Genesis 39.2 when he didn't own his own freedom, had no possessions other than maybe the clothes on his back. But Joseph was very content. Therefore, he was called prosperous. Prosperity then is a healthy attitude. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root, not the root. King James says the, but the article the is not there. It is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. These are the things that we're chasing. Now the idea here is when you chase these things, you'll have what you need. Now I want to read to you the counterpart for this in the book of Proverbs chapter 8. This is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 8, 8. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Who's talking here? This is wisdom speaking. I, wisdom, that's the theme of this whole chapter, chapter 8. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They're plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, not silver. Now who wrote this? Solomon wrote this. By the way, he had lots of silver, but he didn't get the silver because he asked for it. He got the silver because he went after wisdom. Wisdom would have kept him from mishandling this. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. So wisdom has in it the safeguards if we follow them. Now Solomon didn't always follow them down to the letters we see later in his life. But in the beginning, he was able to accomplish what God had ordered him to do by building a temple, a house for him in Jerusalem, which was a magnificent place and a witness to the whole earth. And it was God's will, had Solomon continued to walk in this, that all of his uh, successors do similar things. God wanted to use Israel as a showplace of what a nation could be if it only put God first. And it's unfortunate because they didn't do that. So God wants to do with you. God wants to bless you so that other people can see the blessing of God on you. And it's not that you've got millions of dollars in the bank. It's that you've got what you need when you need it. I just watched my son raise two great kids. The second one graduated from high school. And he was very passionate about pouring into his children and to teach his kids to work hard and to expect favor. And they're two of the most polite kids you'll ever see. Both of them got 
full-ride scholarships to a university because of their character and their wisdom. It was an amazing thing to watch. And he could not have afforded the money that it would have taken to do this. So you see, true prosperity is not just about having enough money to write out a check for anything you want. Sometimes it's having the favor that you need to get the things that you have to operate with. It's like Jesus borrowing a donkey. He only needed that donkey one time. Why own the donkey when you only needed it one time? Why buy the upper room when you only needed it for that feast? You see, we have these misguided ideas about what true prosperity really is. It is what you need when you need it. And that's the blessing of God. It is the ability to be a blessing to others. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's one of the great blessings of prosperity. That is the ability to put money into the hands of other people. And there's no joy like that. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want to share a story with you very quickly about something that happened early on in our lives. Deleva and I came to Tulsa, and we had sold a house in West Texas. We had money coming from the sale of that house. And before we got the deal closed here in Tulsa, we knew the money was coming. The Lord spoke to the both of us. We compared notes later and came together in agreement, and prayed over it. But the Lord told us both, give me everything you've got coming from the sale of that house. So we're giving up all of our equity. And we wanted a house desperately. She really wanted a house. And I knew how badly she wanted a house. And I know that the money that we had to buy that house was not going to come to us the same way that it did before because her grandmother gave us $3,000 as a down payment for the first house that we had. I knew that if we gave up that money, I knew we'd never see another gift like that. And who could blame her grandmother for maybe not wanting to give it to us because we had given away so quickly what she had blessed us with. But I knew that I'd heard from God. And I also let Deliva weigh in on the decisions. Her money, her grandmother is the one that gave it to us. So I did not make that decision without her approval. She made that decision too. But we joined hands and prayed we agreed that whenever we got that settlement, when we got our house money, we would give it away. We did. Meantime, the Holy Spirit led my wife to go looking for houses and told me to go with her. We went, and the Lord put it in my heart when we walked into one particular house. I double-dog dare you to buy this. I didn't have the money. And I told the real estate agent, I'd like to have this house. I don't have the money. And he said, can you have $500 in 30 days? I said, yeah, in 30 days, I could probably scrape together $500. We're making a little bit more than we used to make. So yeah, I think I could have $500. He said, I can take a post-dated check. I prayed about it. Holy Spirit, put it in my heart. Go for it. So we signed a contract to buy this house. I had 45 days to close. We were going to have to have somewhere in the neighborhood of $5,000 to get this whole thing closed. The money that we'd already given up, we had it coming, but we've given it away. Well, here's what happened. We made the decision to give that money up. Our money came in. We turned around, gave it away exactly the way the Lord told us to do it. And then we had a clock ticking 45 days to come up with enough money to close. 43 days into the contract, I got a check for $5,000. It was not out of the blue. 
It was for a meeting I did. I had no idea it would be that much money, but I will say this. I worked my tail off. I preached one week to kids, 62 hours. And so dollars per hour, it wasn't nearly as much as you might think. But nonetheless, I got the $5,000. We closed the deal. God blessed us with that house. It was an amazing thing. But you know what? We only lived in it for a year, and we sold it. We fixed it up, put some stuff into it, sold it, and made $10,000 more than what we paid for it. We found another house and lived in it for a year and sold it and made $12,000 more than what we paid for it. Then we found yet a third house, lived in it for two and a half years, and sold it, and we made $54,000 on the sale of that house. Now, I learned something from the Lord about giving. I learned that if He deals with you, you obey. And I learned never to be fearful about money. One of the best ways to learn to be fearless when it comes to money is to be able to give what God puts in your heart to give. You, as a couple, you be in agreement over it. That's what my wife and I did. I think it's wrong for the husband to do something that the wife doesn't want to do or vice versa. I think you need to be in agreement. But we did do that in agreement. And we have been blessed so much over the years. God wants to bless you financially. you got to believe that. But there are some things you're going to have to do. And the process that he's ordained for the flow of money, labor, wisdom, product, storehouse, those four primary resources are conversions that you can make to bring a supply of finance into your home. I pray that you'll take these things to heart and let God demonstrate his goodness to you. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.